0: You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Pentecost Sunday, a day that has confused people for a long time and and there's a lot of different facets to this day. It's a pretty sweet holiday. I would love to just get into all of it, but I won't. I'm just going to rest with one thing tonight. Uh, and that starts at the beginning of the Bible. At the beginning of the Bible, we have just this ball of water. It's all we see, just water. No land, no creatures, nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form. And then the Ruah Elohim surfed across the waves hovered over the deep and God said let there be light there was light and it was good ruah elohim anybody remember how we interpret that in our bible the ruah elohim hovered over the face of the waters holy spirit holy spirit yeah So spirit of the Lord, the spirit of God hovers over the face of the deep. Elohim would mean God. And then Ruah is spirit. You can actually get translated a a couple different ways. What are some other words that you can think of that would be similar to like spirit in our context today? So something that's like a tangible life force, but you can't see it. Something like that. Breath. Breath. Yes, so Ruach could be translated breath. So it could be the breath of God hovered across the deep. What else? Tangible unseen forces. The wind. Wind would be one. So breath, like it's a life force. We can't see it unless it's really cold outside. Uh, or wind, we can't see it, but we see its effects on the trees. Spirit. We can't see God, but we've had moments with his Holy Spirit where we know he's active right here in the room with us. Ruah Elohim, the Spirit of God, the mighty wind of God, the breath of God hovered over the the deep, the waters, and then life was created. Actually, that word for hovered, uh, it's used in other kind of ancient languages to be similar to like uh, uh, brooding. So the idea here is that, The Holy Spirit is sitting on the earth, waiting for it to hatch, (laughs) waiting for life to spring out of it. And then God says, let there be life, and there's life. And what's interesting is that the Holy Spirit is a part of the creation of life. Now, of course, that makes sense. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're all the same person. But usually when we think of the creation of life, we attribute it directly to God. But the whole Bible actually gives us it's the whole Trinity. Yes, God speaks life into existence. But the Holy Spirit's right there at the beginning, brooding over the earth like a chicken, waiting to, to give birth to new life. And Jesus, right at the beginning of, of John, uh, or actually maybe in Paul. I think it's both, actually. Right? Jesus made us is what the new testament says so the whole trinity involved in the creation process but the holy spirit is going to be seen throughout the bible as that continuation of life force of creating us of knitting us of of our our lives so psalms Job, they're going to talk about how the holy spirit creates us so the holy spirit was a creator is a creator And Pentecost is the interesting story of how he comes and starts to create again. Jesus dies, and then Paul says he's brought back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the the creator of new life, resurrection life for Jesus. And then Jesus goes to his disciples in the resurrected body and says, all right, all right. We're getting ready. Things are about to go down, but here's the deal. I don't want you to go do ministry until you have been clothed with power from on high. In other words, until you have been sent the Holy Spirit. That's a good word right there. I can't tell you how many pastors and ministry leaders and lay leaders and Christians burn out because they try to do ministry without the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually said, you're going to go wait Until the Holy Spirit shows up, then go do ministry. You're feeling weak today? You feel like you're just empty? Like, where's the Holy Spirit? I just feel at the bottom. The Bible actually says, like, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. As though, like, yes, you get filled one time, but then you leak. You need more of the Holy Spirit. Keep drinking them in. Keep having more of the Holy Spirit. And so that's the offer on the table. Be clothed with power from on high. Be given the Holy Spirit. But something interesting happens. Pentecost. This is a holiday in the Bible. Okay, so all of the Jews from all over the nations have come to Jerusalem for this holiday, because that's the sacred place that you go to for Pentecost. They all show up and there's this particular group of Jews who have been following Jesus. And they are hanging out in a room when all of a sudden tongues of fire comes on them. And what else? A mighty rushing wind. Ruah Elohim. Now that's, New Testament's Greek, so that's not what it's called. Not called Ruah Elohim. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if Acts is playing upon the Ruah Elohim. The mighty wind of God. The Holy Spirit rushes into the wind, uh, rushes into the room. The breath of God blows upon the room. And suddenly, all of these Jewish people following Jesus, who will now be known as Christians, rush out the door. They've been clothed with power from on high and they start speaking in tongues. In other words, they start speaking in the languages of everyone who is present right outside because Jews have come from all over the nation for the holidays they walk outside and they begin proclaiming the wonders of God in languages that they did not know and all these Jews from all of all over the place hear it and they're surprised and now they're going to go home to all those nations and say guess what happened while I was in Jerusalem weird weird stuff you know that Jesus guy well his followers burst out the door speaking in perfect languages Of Like all of us. I don't know how they memorized that unless something else was going on. They also appeared a little bit drunk (laughs) is one of the things that they say, which sounds weird. But even today, sometimes when the Holy Spirit shows up, people leave feeling drunk. I don't know how to explain it. I've seen it in people. It hasn't happened to me. I don't drink anyway, so I wouldn't know what that's like, I guess, to to compare. But... (laughs) But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit shows up, and just as the Ruah Elohim, the wind of God, the breath of God, the Spirit of the Lord, creates, broods over creation in the beginning, right towards the start of the New Testament, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, the breath of God, the wind of God, the mighty Holy Spirit, rushes into the room and is creating life again. He's not just clothing them with power, he is making new resurrection life right there in their midst. And Paul's going to go on to talk about this more, and I think we're going to start preaching through Romans soon, so we're going to dive deeper into this. But in Romans, uh, actually, just in general throughout Paul's writings, he talks about how resurrection is already inside of us. So like, imagine that you're a fruit. Okay? I'm not calling you a fruit. Just imagine you're a fruit, right? If you're a fruit, then everything on the outside you've been picked, it's kind of dying. It's decaying. Eventually, it's going to die. But inside is a seed. And that seed, when all of that outer flesh dies off, that seed will sprout up and new life will come to be. That's resurrection life. And the Christian has resurrection life already put inside of them right now. So when we die, the new seed of resurrection life is like our bones planted in the ground. One day, God will put flesh back on that. How will he do that? Through the Holy Spirit, who raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit is already making you new right now. That's why Paul talks about how, like, when we live When we strip off our flesh, not like mutilate ourselves, but when we're trying to stop living by the old life right now and start living by the Holy Spirit who's already inside of us, we'll start growing in the ways that the resurrection life will look like. In the resurrection life, we will all look like Jesus. We will live like Jesus. We will have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Paul believed that you could already have those things in your life right now because you're stripping off the old flesh and living by the new resurrected life. You are moving towards resurrection already. Now this caused in Methodism a rather unique teaching that some people loved. I would be one of them. And other people hated We've been talking about it at Nerd Church lately, but Christian perfection, it's something that John Wesley came up in in the Methodist stream. And the idea was essentially this. We all understand we're not perfect. We'll never be perfect, because if you were perfect, it means you've never sinned, and you've all sinned, so you can't be perfect. But Christian perfection is the idea that we can grow towards perfection, because perfection is resurrection life. And we can already start walking that way by stripping off the flesh, stripping off sin, and living in the ways of the fruit of the Spirit, that who's already inside of us, who empowers us to do that. So many people are just like, oh, i got to love better, i got to be kinder, i got to be more joyful. Like, you can't do that. The Holy Spirit is inside of you to help you do that. You need to work with Him to do that. And so God invites us on that journey towards the perfection that's to come, by stripping off the old man now, the old woman now, and living by the new man, the new woman of the resurrection life ahead of us. That's not to say that you'll never sin again. The idea is like the ultimate goal of Christian perfection, and I know no one who's gotten here. I know one person who said that they did, and I don't believe them. Um, And I think they lost their perfection the moment they told me that. Uh, But the ultimate goal in this life of Christian perfection would be, can I get to the point where I no longer sin intentionally. Because there are different kinds of sin in the Bible. Sinning intentionally is a grievous sin in the Bible, whereas sinning by accident, that's something else. You, you've done that before, right? Have you ever just been like driving your car, suddenly a memory comes to you of someone that you offended and it hits you in a different way, like you thought you were right back then, but now all of a sudden that memory's playing out and you feel this conviction like, wow, why did I say that? That was rude. That was an accidental sin. You didn't realize at the time you did it. This might even be years later. Suddenly it occurs to you, you're like, wow, I need to, like, apologize even now. <laughs> That's a different kind of sin. Intentional sin is something that especially needs to be atoned for throughout the Bible. So John Wesley invited us into that, that journey. Let's walk towards resurrection now. Let's walk towards sinlessness now. Let's get to the point where we are growing into something. And maybe you come here today and you've got some kind of addiction to something. Maybe it's something as simple as your phone or TV or books. Maybe it's something even good that has become an addiction. Or maybe it's something that you just know is wrong and you wish you could get free of it. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, things like this. The Holy Spirit can empower you on that journey. He is there to help you along the way of getting free. And he does not expect that you will get free yourself. This is why Christian recovery programs are so powerful. It's because we already know the one who is calling us into perfection can bring us towards perfection if we give our lives over to him now. So, we invite you into the journey of Pentecost resurrection. Just as the Holy Spirit makes life in the Old Testament, so he makes life in the New Testament. And so one day when we are all gone, he will raise us back to life again. New heavens, new earth, new resurrected bodies. This is the Easter message, now married with the Pentecost message of you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. So resurrection is ahead of you. As we get ready to close out, I'm going to do one more song. I've been on vacation this past week, spent a lot of time on the beach just staring at nature. Whenever I stare at nature, it often takes me into a place of worship, and then I ended up kind of crafting some lyrics. Uh, But I realized today, like, the lyrics that I crafted this week are all about that new creation, are all about uh, this world passing away, this body passing away, this flesh passing away. And living into the new resurrection that is to come through all those things. So, I'm going to sing it for you. And while I sing that for you, uh, if you can just close your eyes, I want to say a prayer for you. Um, if you feel, which is probably most of us, me, any given day, if you feel right now you just want more of the Holy Spirit, just put your hands out in front of you like you're receiving a gift. And God, I just pray that you would pour out your gift right now. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Come and fill our hands. Come and fill our hearts. Stop the leaks. Let us be filled up, clothed with power, but also clothed clothed with uh, uh, the sinlessness that you're calling us towards. Holy Spirit, would you empower us? Those things that have often taken over us, taken over our lives, grabbed captive of us, would, would that just be broken right now? But we would live, uh, um, start journeying towards something better. And God, I know very few stories where someone just like, they had an addiction to something and the next night was just gone. I have heard those stories. They are amazing. But I've heard like two ever. God, most of the stories look like the fruit of the Spirit. And what is fruit but something that grows day by day, slowly? So would you start growing fruit in us now so that when people look at us, they might see the image of God and say, I think that's the way that, that God would have us live and I want to live into that as well. Then we would call everyone towards you, not just through our words, but through our actions. 200,000
1: miles away the moon tucks the waves in the sand A brilliant blanket of liquid and salt As white-crested pillows touch land and The sun she brings atmospheres to life Dousing a ink on the sky A beautiful portrait on crystalline heights as clouds gently billow behind, if this is the age we now live, how glorious the age that's to come, if oceans were past, just imagine what's next, when all that. witness to our wrath begging justice for all that is past and the heavens cry to validating the truth as the gavel is placed in God's hand see the tongue of the sun like a sword as his words justify and condemn as once earthly people wear heavenly skin And share His throne, the judge angels within And if this is the age of our sin How glorious the age that is known Our salt water tears wiped away with our As God clothes the earth like the sun. And if this is the age we now live. How glorious the age that's to come. With oceans will pass, just imagine what's next. When all that is finished is done. E que... the holy ones back home to eat from a tree left behind her arms dance ballet in the cool of the day grasping the fruit of new life when past becomes future once again we will rest in the presence of friends toasting our cups to the riches of love as the glory of glories begin and if that was the age we once lived how glorious the age that has come the oceans are gone something better has gone and heaven and earth are now earth like the sun, as God closed the earth as the sun, our God's come to earth as the sun, it's already here but not yet, as we stand on the precipice of death, but death to it will die and will descend from the sky. Leave this age far behind.